Bienvenue, Kanichiwa. It's time for the Arms Inquisition yet again, episode 296 on Sunday, the 17th of September 2023. I'm Phil. I'm Ben. And I'm Matt. Yeah, Ben's remote. I need, yeah. to, uh, I need to move over to the next screen. Let's go to this one. Yes, Ben's back. Yeah. Ben's back with his luxurious beard. Yeah. Luxuriant beards. Luxuriant beards. Aren't we, Dom? Yeah. And uh, we're very happy to be joined tonight by Mark Devlin. Mark's uh, a DJ, a podcaster, a speaker, an author, and we're particularly glad to have him because we also know how much of a, an antisocial bastard he is. I'm a very <laughs> antisocial bastard. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, Mark? I'm all right. I'm unusually social. <laughs> <laughs> No, I really appreciate it. I mean, I've been looking at your website and your schedule, and you've been absolutely all over the place over the summer. Yeah, not that antisocial, eh? <laughs> where did you clip that one from? That's from one of your YouTube videos, a recent one. That's the one where I'm talking about how I wrote my most recent book, right? Down the Social Club, so-called. That was it, yeah. the work, Down the Working Men's. That's right. Yeah. yeah. What Sitting is... in the corner, tapping away at my laptop. All the locals are like, oh, who's he then? What's he doing over there? And they couldn't resist it. In the end, they had to come over and ask. They're like, oh, what, what do you do then when you sit over in the corner here with your laptop? And I said, well, I'm writing a book, actually. And they're like, oh, yeah, he writes a book, you know. And then every time I went in there, they're like, how's the book going then? You finished yet, have you? <laughs> and, you know, they started talking to me then. So it's the most oh, exciting thing that's happened in the village for 40 years, I think. What, is there something about the sort of atmosphere in a working's, working men's club? Because I imagine it's very different for di- different people. Some people have to have absolute silence. Some people have, like, white noise playing. What is it about the working men's club that that does well, it for you? I don't you? know, but this one, it's one of those places where when you walk through the door for the first time, <laughs> everything goes silent. Like, you know, there's guys playing darts, and the dart sort of stops <laughs> midair. And there'll be some- <laughs> Some guys playing pool and they just stop and look round like, who's that then? And watch you as you sit down at your table, you know. It's quite disconcerting, really. That's what it was like for me the first time I walked in there. Yeah. And uh, so uh, your new book, tell us about the new book, because is this the, uh, the non-fiction, uh, sorry, the fiction that you're working on? The novel. Uh, sorry, you just froze up there. You oh, asked me about the new book, yeah? Yeah, I thought, uh, am I right in saying it's uh, a novel, a fiction book, rather than uh, the musical truth style book? Yeah, it is. It's the follow-up to The Cause and the Cure, which is my truth fiction book that I put out in 2019. So this one is called The Gift and the Curse, and it's got many of the same characters from that first story. It catches up with them a decade later. So the first book was set in the early 90s, 1990, 1991, and it was set in Oxford, which is the place that uh, I grew up. 
And so it's full of period detail from those times. And that book was loaded with allegory and symbolism, or the best I could manage anyway, and full of sort of natural law teachings and spiritual knowledge, all dressed up as fiction. So I really enjoyed the process of doing the follow-up story, which I wrote in about five months, lubricated by a few pints down at the club. I would just go down there in the evening with my laptop and bash away at the keyboard and churn out a couple of chapters every time I went down there. So I got the whole thing written in about five months and I'm really happy with how it's turned out. I really enjoy the creative process of writing fiction, actually, because it does make for a refreshing change to write in the nonfiction. The thing about doing nonfiction is you have to provide citations and references for all the things that you say, lest anyone accuse you of making it up. But the good thing about fiction is that you can put truth in there and you can load it with uh, truth bombs. But if anyone ever challenges you on any of the content, you can say, it's just fiction, man. Come on, chill out. Just relax, you know. So you can get away with saying a lot of stuff when you cloak it up as fiction. Yeah, I imagine that's quite liberating, being able to express yourself like that. And do you feel that it gives you more license to sort of push certain boundaries, maybe put ideas out there that, you maybe can't back up, as you would say, with really hard citations, but at least you can sort of push that envelope a bit. Oh, freak. My audio's gone. It did this last week, the last two weeks, didn't it? Mm. Emails of one of your characters, because when you're an author, fiction author, you're literally the god of your own universe. So you can make anything happen that you want. So you can literally put words into the mouths of these uh, characters that you've created and they're the ones that are making those statements rather than you in the context of the story. So it's a great way of getting points across. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. I remember uh, Graham Hancock uh, dabbling in that direction because I, 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 I mean, Graham Hancock's one of the reasons I sort of got into ancient history and that leads you on to sort of things like Atlantis and then the esotericism and symbolism and all that kind of stuff. And he dabbled in um, fiction sort of partway through his career. And he seemed to be, uh, he, he seemed to have the same sort of logical process behind it that he was able to maybe push those boundaries. Are you, are you a fan of Graham Hancock? Do you read any of his stuff? Well, I did read his Fingerprints of the Gods in the mid-90s, and that was one of the books that changed my life. It really changed my entire outlook on everything. I'm not so much of a fan of his material now because I do differ with him on certain points, mainly regarding cosmology and the nature of the place that we live. But in terms of his work into ancient civilizations and cultures and clues that they left behind, fingerprints, if you will, uh, I found his stuff fascinating. When I first read that book, it was 1995. I took a copy with me to New York. I was making a trip out there. And I remember reading what he had to say about December 2012 and how this was going to mark the end of an epoch. And he was hypothesizing that this would bring all kinds of cataclysm and disaster uh, when it occurred. And this was 17 years into the future at the time. And I remember making contingency plans to be at the top of a very tall mountain <laughs> on the 21st of December 2012. Uh, right. I wasn't. Ah. And it turns out that I didn't need to be. But I do remember it making a major impact on me in 1995. And I was thinking, my God, I've only got 17 years to live. <laughs> <laughs> 
That Thank was God the... he called that one wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, well, did he or did he not? I mean, that was the end of the Mayan calendar, and um, yeah. some of his supporters would say, well... Um, we were a bit too literal, uh, literal in, in in our interpretation that the, it was the end of a cycle rather than an end, uh, you know, like a civilization ending event. And so I wonder if there were things going on in 2012. I mean, the greatest sort of change there's been in the last couple of decades is the internet, obviously, and that's been an absolute game changer. I wonder if there was things happening in 2012 on that sort of level that changed things forever. Well, maybe we'll never know. Well, that's it. Or maybe the time scale is slightly off. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, just to deviate from um, Lost Civilizations, I, I played that little um, picture of the, your man Sam Smith in the video with oh, his yeah. outfit. What on earth is going on with that guy, Mark? Well, I just feel that the poor lad, can I call him a lad? Or will I get into trouble for that? Is MK'd to oblivion, MK Ultra Mind Control. You know, he bears all the hallmarks of having undergone that. You look into his eyes and it's like there's no one home. And it's a familiar look for me because I've studied MK Ultra Mind Control, trauma-based mind control programming, which goes hand in hand with satanic ritual abuse. And you often see that look of complete dissociation from reality. So I recognise it in him. And when you get famous people, celebrities, pushing, pushing agendas to the extent that he now is, it is a pretty clear indicator that they've been programmed into that sort of compliance. And it's more widespread in entertainment than anyone would ever believe. You know, it's absolutely rampant in Hollywood, in the Hollywood film industry. It's throughout the music industry. And I think it's probably in all aspects of celebrity and mainstream culture. The main ones that they use to push their agendas in so many cases will have been mind controlled into that level of obedience so that they never go off script they never deviate and they just do whatever their handlers instruct them to and sam smith ticks all the boxes for that do you think he was aware what he was getting into is there like a faustian bargain moment when you're on the edge of becoming a huge success like he has well, there is. There are different ways that people come into these industries. So some of them are inducted purely by way of their bloodline, their genealogy, their ancestry, the families that they come out of. So they're literally born into it and they have these careers molded for them and they're just slotted into place at the allotted time. Then there is certainly the capacity for that Faustian bargain, selling your soul for fame and fortune. And this is where you might not come from one of the right families. But if you show yourself so hungry for fame, fortune, success, wealth, prominence, that you're prepared to do whatever it takes to achieve that, including pushing many of these social engineering agendas that we see these celebrities doing now, then, you know, the opportunity is made available to you then. And you can have a career handed to you on a plate by those that can make these things happen. Because it's never down to sheer talent alone. If it was, we'd have a whole load of different bands and different singers and different actors and different TV presenters in these positions of prominence to the ones that we currently have. 
it's down to how much they want the fame and the fortune in these instances that we're talking about here. So I'm not sure whether the complete deal is made available to them at the time they sign on the dotted line. It's been my comprehension over the years that they will allow you to kind of flourish and thrive under your own steam for a little bit until you reach a certain level. And that's when you get called into a meeting and you get made an offer of being elevated a few rungs up the ladder, but you have to sign the contract and you have to agree to do whatever is laid out for you from that point on. And it really does depend how much you want it, because if you're all about the money and all about the fame, then I guess, uh, particularly if you have narcissistic traits as well, you will go for that kind of deal when it's offered. And it's only afterwards, I would suggest, that the terrible truth of what it is you've got yourself mixed up in becomes fully apparent to you. So it's anybody's guess as to whether it was all made clear to Sam Smith or whether he was just mind controlled to oblivion uh, before he had a chance to properly comprehend what he was getting into. Wow. And you mentioned uh, certain genealogies. I mean, um, can you give us some examples of, of sort of prominent artists or film stars who've, who've had this sort of uh, nepotism used for their career? Yeah. Well, a great example that I often use is Madonna, because when ah. you do Madonna's extended family tree you find so many connections into other prominent, famous people, including, uh, where do I even start? Lady Gaga. So she's a cousin of Lady Gaga. She's a cousin of Celine Dion. She's a cousin of Ellen Degenerate. And this is all coming through her mother's bloodline. So her mother was French-Canadian. Her father was Italian-American. He worked for the military division of Chrysler Tanks. Go figure. One of endless family connections we find into the world of the military but it's often through the mother's bloodlines that we find all all sorts of interesting ancestry so through her mother she's related to those aforementioned celebrities she's also uh, related to justin bieber justin trudeau george w bush george bush in turn is a cousin several times removed of dick cheney also john kerry also Barack Obama. So Obama and Bush are actually cousins. And so Madonna ties into all of this. She's also connected to Camilla, Lord Sausagefinger's <laughs> wife, you know. Uh, so they're all related. Another great example would be Yoko Ono, John Lennon's uh, partner, wife, but also I would contend mind control handler, who was put into his world at a particular point to keep a close eye on him and make sure he didn't stray too far off script. Uh, so Yoko Ono is descended from the one-time emperor of Japan on her mother's side. So she's Japanese royalty, effectively. And then you've got Marianne Faithful, another great example through her mother's bloodline. She was a singer in the 60s and she was a girlfriend of Mick Jagger. She was a close associate of the Rolling Stones, a big part of that groups sort of inner circle she turns out to be descended from the uh, Sasha Masok family coming out of the Austrian Hungarian Empire and it's through this family that we get the term masochism because that's the sort of stuff that they were into as in sadomasochism so that's who Marianne Faithful is and 
as I say, the interesting stuff often comes through the mother's bloodlines. And there are many other examples in popular culture and entertainment proving that uh, it's never about sheer talent and good luck alone. That's the Cinderella fairy story that they like to peddle to naive young people. You know, work really hard and never stop wanting it and come up with a few good songs and a few catchy guitar riffs and punt your demo tape around a bit and you too could be the next Beatles. You too could be the next Madonna. Uh, you couldn't. It doesn't work that way. It turns- we all know, we all know, Mark, that the truly talented Among Us star podcasts. And that's where it's at. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you got to feel for didn't, it. Did, didn't you used to be in ZZ Top? <laughs> I still am, baby. <laughs> Was it Dusty Hill? Yeah. yeah. There's the guitar in the background. Oh, yeah. Yeah. you got to feel just, for it. Just decorative. You've got to feel, <laughs> feel for The drummer John. was the only one in that group without a beard, incidentally. He mm. uh, was called Beard, wasn't he, as well? His surname beard, was Beard. Yeah. 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 There you go. You mentioned yeah. the uh, the sort of popular myth that's portrayed because um, I mean I'm I've just I've turned forty this year, so when I was a little kid, Madonna was already in her sort of peak in the sort of you know late eighties, like like a prayer and that sort of thing. That's when it was sort of peak Madonna. So what was the, what was the story that was put out in in, in her of, of her rise to fame? What was the narrative? Well, she does a monologue at the start of her Like a Virgin tour video from 1985. You just hear her voice at the start of that VHS video, as it was back in the day. And she says, I wanted to sing, I wanted to dance, I wanted to make people happy, I wanted to be famous, I wanted to be a big star. I came to New York, I didn't know anybody, I worked really hard, I never stopped wanting it, and my dream came true. So that's the Cinderella fairy story. And you have young girls who are entrained to think that if they want to be the next Madonna or Rihanna or Taylor Swift or whoever it is, all they've got to do is just work really hard and it could happen to them too. We heard the same thing in black communities when Barack Obama, or Barry Sotoro, to give him his real name, was manipulated into office as US president in 2008. I remember black people at the time saying, at last, now we can be anything we want to be. You know, there's a black man in the White House and, uh, you know, our people have really made it. Not realising that presidents are, of course, selected and not elected and that he'd been earmarked for that role for many years before. And it's nothing to do with him being black or half black as he was. Um, But that was what people thought at the time, that because one of them had made it, any of them now could. Not realising that that's not the way this world works, of course. (laughs) Nothing like it. I mean, the thing that, I mean, you sort of alluded to this earlier, but I mean, the sort of the personality type that wants to be a president does scares me, absolutely terrifies me, why anyone would even want that job. Mm. So, I mean, it just immediately raises a red flag. If you put yourself forward thinking, I'm the best, I'm the best person for this job, it's like, Gosh, get over yourself, for fuck's sake. That's right. One of the interesting things about the writing process for this new novel is that I've set the story in 2001. So it's at the time of the 9-11 attacks. And I'm doing a soundtrack to it as well. So my fiction novels are very cinematic, I feel. I approach the story as if I'm directing a movie in my mind. So I really give some thought as to 
how each scene is going to look, how it's going to play out, where the characters appear in the frame, that sort of thing. And because they're very cinematic, I do soundtracks similar to what you'd get with a movie, you know. So I've been going back and revisiting the news audio of 2001 and mixing it up with the tunes that were around at that time. And that's what the soundtrack is going to consist of. But during this process, I've gone back over a lot of the dialogue and the news footage from George W. Bush, Village Idiot Bush, in 2001. And listening to the way he spoke, it's very clear that he was in that role as president under extreme duress. So the shots were really being called by Daddy Bush, and Junior's two terms in office were effectively an extension of Daddy Bush's presidency. So he was the real decision maker. They just put Village Idiot in office so that they could get their agenda rolled out the way they wanted it to be without anyone else getting in the way. So, you know, W was just given all these scripts to read and stuff. And you look at him in some of these press conferences and you can tell he just doesn't want to be there. He's even sighing in some of them. He's like, oh, okay, let's, let's get this shit over with. You know, it's, it's as if he's saying that. And um, I remember one press conference where he couldn't even answer the reporter's question. Uh, you might remember it. He just says, uh, oh, oh, there, there's a time for politics. Oh, there's a time for politics. And that's all he can say, which is not answering the question at all. But it's because he's got no interest in being there. You know, he just wanted to play golf and uh, run around with his dog, Barney, digging up grubs in the ground, you know, and he was perfectly mm. happy doing that. Uh, unfortunately, he had to put on a suit and go into the office three days a week, which is a real bummer for him, you know, but you really get that impression. So there are some like Obama, and I get the sense that he was a real narcissist, you know, real attention seeker, just loved the glory of being in that role. But then others like Village Idiot Bush didn't want to do it at all and were effectively forced into it. Again, it's this bloodline thing. It's the family that he came out of. He wasn't given a choice. Yeah, you wonder what was going on with Jeb, Jeb Bush because they tried to get Jeb Bush in. Uh, I think it was 2016 when Trump was first elected. And, mm. um, you know, you, you, you're saying, you're describing how George uh, Jr. was sort of reticent when he was in the role. You know, why didn't they go for the older brother who seemed to have wanted it anyway? I guess it's just time, place, circumstances that dictate these decisions. Yeah, or maybe they just felt that W Village Idiot was easier to manipulate and just be the figurehead with George yeah. Sr. really calling all the shots. Maybe Jeb had some semblance of a mind of his own. <laughs> the uh, MK Ultra programming hadn't quite taken hold <laughs> yeah maybe it wasn't quite so mk'd yeah, yeah what do you make of the orange man mark well i've been all over the place with him mm. really i didn't really pay any attention to him at all prior to 2016 and then he got in to the presidency and i was like oh okay they put donald trump in and really didn't think much more of that and then convid hit 2020 and at the time, I was in contact with a guy named Charlie Freak. That's the name he goes by. He's a podcaster, works out of Mexico. I'd done a few shows with him up to that point, And he'd been talking about spiritual metaphysical matters. And we recorded a few shows talking about rock songs and some of the deep 
esoteric hidden meanings that had gone into the lyrics of some famous rock songs. So uh, I'd sort of come to trust Charlie. And in early 2020, he started talking about this plan and this idea that Donald Trump was a good man and that he was working with certain teams and groups behind the scenes to try and bring down the deep state cabal and uh, improve the situation for all of humanity. I'm sure we're all familiar with that narrative. And at the time, I was a bit suspicious of it. I wasn't entirely on board with it, but I was prepared to at least hear him out and give the idea the time of day. So I ended, ended up recording four very long shows with him. There were about three hours each, which went out through 2020. And towards the end of it, I realised that so many of the things I'd been promised were going to happen and would be demonstrated to have happened, hadn't. So most notably, those of us that were keeping a close eye on these things were told that in the November 2020 US election, Trump was going to sweep the board, come in for a second term, and the minute that he did, he was going to roll his sleeves up and it was game on and he was going to arrest all these elite types and, you know, right, drain expose the, swamp. the truth, drain the swamp yeah. and expose the truth to the general public. As we all know, it didn't quite go that way. I do still feel that election was stolen. It was fraudulent. Biden uh, should not be in office, but nothing was done to effectively contest the outcome of it. And so here we are three years later and absolutely nothing's been done, despite a lot of noise having been made about it. And nothing else has happened in these last three years either, you may have noticed. So now I'm completely off that whole idea. Uh, I jumped off that particular train a long time ago, actually, early 2021. I just said, you know what, I'm done with even giving this my time and attention anymore. Unfortunately, I no longer trust Donald Trump. Uh, I just feel that if he really were genuine and he really were sincere in the way that we've been told he is, he would have done something of note, of benefit to all of humanity by this point. And I've just not seen the evidence for it. I've heard the claims, but I've not seen the proofs. Yeah, put up or shut up. It's, uh, it looks to me like the, the worm is turning for Biden and the, the ramping up trying to get rid of him, um, pre preferably before the election, but they certainly don't want him running again uh, just by the just looking at the messaging that I've been seeing over the last few weeks. On it's the... starting to look that way. Yeah. yeah. They want I mean, a question which comes up for me is why did they put Biden in in the first place? I've even <laughs> got my doubts as to whether that's the original Joe Biden when it comes <laughs> down to it. Well, even if it uh, is, they've, they've already opened his head up like three times, haven't they? They could have scrambled anything in there. Someone's <laughs> surgeon could have dropped his watch in there for all we know. Well, it's interesting because you used to be able to do a Google image search with the phrase Joe Biden 2008. And when you did, you found images of what appear to be a completely different man to the one we have today. <laughs> now, I know there's such things as plastic surgery, I know there's such things as CGI, deep fake imagery, but uh, even factoring all that in, it seems to me like this individual that we have masquerading as Joe Biden is not the original Joe Biden. So it does rather raise the question, what the fuck is going on here then? And who is this individual? And they surely could have picked somebody better 
for the role. So I appreciate they wanted to keep Trump out. Okay. They wanted somebody that could be relied on to further their agenda. But really, he was the best they had. Do you know, Why didn't they put Kamala Harris in as president? They could have manipulated it that way if they'd chosen. So it does make me wonder what's going on. There's a lot of games being played, seemingly. One possibility is, this is pure speculation, but I imagine they have a fuck ton of shit on Joe Biden and his family, <laughs> which makes it a lot easier to control someone. And maybe they just didn't have as much dirt on Kamala or any of the other candidates. Well, it's possible. Uh, and then another question arises, which is why are they positioning to get rid of him now if that's what's really going on? And it does feel that way. Uh, why do they think he's served his, you know, uh, past his sell-by date? I suppose he is, what, bloody 107 <coughs> or whatever he is, so he's not going to last much longer. I mean, the idea of him doing a second term is laughable. Yeah. Mm. What is he? I think he's he's 81, isn't he? He's 80, so, I believe. 80, okay. Yeah. So if he gets a second term... By the time he gets to the end of it, he'll be 85. And look at the state he's in already. People mm. used to think Ronald Reagan was senile. <laughs> I remember in the 80s, the media was like, oh, you know, should Ronald Reagan really be in office? And he was like in his late 60s or something. And they were worried about him uh, going senile then. This mm. guy is a thousand times more dangerous. And yet the mainstream media has nothing to say about him. They're just like whistling and, and looking the other way and acting like, oh, it's fine. You know, th this man's fit to be president. Yeah, no that, problem here. That has started to change this week. I have a clip um, that will play. I think it's. I think I clipped it in part two, and it's from CNN discussing right. that he is getting that he's too old and showing some polling numbers. So the worm is turning, and I, I guess it's because they're scared of the orange man and they just want any bomb but him. What do you make of um, RFK running as a Democrat? Uh, that would be a very interesting situation if that comes to pass. Uh, I, I, I like to think he's the real deal, yeah. uh, you know, uh, until I see evidence to the contrary. I'm going to assume that he is. Uh, yeah. The one worry about him is uh, the green agenda for me. Okay. Um, he's been, I think that was his main sort of gig was a, a lawyer for, and a, oh, it's Waterways, was it called? Was I think the, the, the charity that he, he started, didn't he, by cleaning up the Hudson River in, in New York. That was his big thing. And uh, I'm not against that, by the way, <laughs> cleaning up rivers and stuff, uh, looking after the environment's a great idea, but he seems to be sold hook, line, and sinker on uh, global on climate, climate change, cl stuff. climate boiling change, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. global boiling, oh so. So, yeah, well, that's I guess not good, is it? There's no perfect candidate, I guess. <laughs> well, there isn't. I mean, I remember hearing about Julian Assange years ago. Julian Assange was saying that he uh, accepted the official account of 9-11, of what happened that day. And so immediately that tarnishes his credibility, in my view, because how can anyone accept the official account of that? And you could apply that to the climate you know, global climate warming change as well, that so demonstrably, so clearly is a scam. Who can't see this? So anyone who believes that's genuine, unfortunately, uh, is tarnished by default then, I guess. Yeah, I get that. Who do you, um, who do you think will be the, uh, the Democrat candidate? Because it seems that Trump's nailed on, that Trump is going to be the Republican choice. Do you think there's someone else waiting in the wings? I can't believe we're talking about US politics. We're meant to be talking about music, but it's just the way it goes sometimes. Well, I've not been keeping a close enough eye on it no. to know who the candidates might be. 
Unless they're going to push for Kamala this time around. Who knows? That would be hilarious. She seems, well, maybe not quite as bad as Biden, but equally gaff prone, maybe like uh, George Bush Jr. Certainly. Um, you could maybe see... not a she either, from what <laughs> I hear. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? What's I think they on. should put Big Mike in. How I was going to say Mike? that. Big Mike 2024. Big Mike would be a great candidate. Yeah. He would be. Uh, yeah. We will see. Let's move away from US politics. Hey, let's go back to music, Mark. Hey, when we were just before we d- diverted into US politics, you were talking about how these people are shepherding in the career. What about the people who try and get out of it, get out of the deal, when, once they realise the full extent, extent of the horror that they've signed up for? What happens to these guys? Well, I think different things happen to different candidates. I was having a really interesting email discussion earlier today with this guy about David Bowie. And we were speculating on whether David Bowie was allowed to retire the public persona of him as an artist and sort of retire off into the shadows to live out his twilight years in obscurity. Because there's this guy, Jack Stephen. Do you remember they wheeled out this uh, music industry executive the morning yeah. after we were told that David Bowie had died, this guy by the name of Jack Stephen appeared on Sky News. And what was remarked upon by so many people at the time is just how much this guy looked like and sounded like <coughs> David Jones, a.k.a. David Bowie. And there was speculation as to whether they were placing the truth in plain sight and letting you know that this was actually Bowie and he was still around. There was also this guy they wheeled out in the wake of the news of Michael Jackson having passed away, an individual by the name of Dave Dave. uh, (laughs) Do you remember that Dave Dave! No, No, I'm going to have to look. Oh, you're going to have to look him up. Can you find it on YouTube, that one, Dave Dave? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's on YouTube. He was interviewed by Larry King on CNN, and this guy's name was said to be David Rothenberg, known as Dave Dave for some reason, and he's said to have been a Burns victim. So his story is that when he was a child, his father, his abusive father, set him alight. And he suffered horrific burns, and he had to go and have surgery. And so that's why he looks the way he does. And he appears on this show, and he's got all this melted skin and stuff. But it looks very much like prosthetic makeup. And when he starts speaking... He sounds exactly the same as Michael Jackson. And that's led many to speculate on whether that could have been Michael Jackson letting those with the eyes to see and the ears to hear know that it's really him and he's not really passed away. So uh, the point that this guy in the email was making earlier was that David Bowie was not the real name of the flesh and blood living man. That was David Jones. So what if they merely retired the public persona of David Bowie, the artist, but David Jones, the man, was allowed to continue living as some condition of his contract? So maybe if you ingratiate yourself to the industry's controllers to such a degree that they feel you've served them fully over many years, maybe there's some sort of clause in your contract whereby they will allow you to retire. Uh, and give it their blessing. Then I think there are other artists who do piss off the industry's corporate overlords and they have to be gotten rid of because they're too much of a threat. They become too much of a loose cannon. 
And artists I think would fall into that category would be Bob Marley, uh, John Lennon. I know there's debate over whether Lennon's death was real, but I personally accept that it was. I think that was a real assassination. Not necessarily that Mark Chapman, the alleged assassin, was behind it, but certainly Lennon was taken out, to my thinking. Then uh, Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, I think was taken out. Uh, I'm not so sure on Tupac. So there are some artists that I feel uh, were able to fake their deaths and get away with it. Jim Morrison falls into that camp, mainly because of who his father was. Jim Morrison's father was the Navy Admiral in charge of the fleet of ships involved in the Gulf of Tonkin false flag incident, which springboarded the Vietnam War. So I think because he came out of that kind of military-connected family, Jim Morrison was allowed to retire his public persona. So I don't accept that he turned up dead in a bathtub in his apartment in Paris at the age of 27 in 1971. And I've got my doubts about Elvis Presley as well, dying on the bog in 1977. Uh, I think he was another one that was probably shepherded off to some sort of witness protection program type arrangement. So I think you have to look at each artist in isolation right. and examine what the evidence is for them having been taken out rather than having been retired. Yeah, that's, uh, when you mention Jim Morrison, it, it immediately brings to mind the 27 Club, mm. this sort of uh, famous list of artists who all seem to pass away at 27, and you wonder like, how much of this is sacrificial, how much of this is retirement, how much of this is just standard drug overdoses and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you think there's something with, going on there? Because twenty-seven, two and seven, nine—it's sort of sacred yeah, number, isn't it? An important occult number. Yeah. Well, within the twenty-seven club uh, membership, you find all sorts of insights into the true nature of the music industry. So, one of the earliest members of the twenty-seven club uh, was Robert Johnson, the blues musician, going all the way back to nineteen thirty-eight. He died in extremely suspicious circumstances. He was evidently poisoned. And there's all sorts of accounts of what happened at the time. He's supposed to have been wailing like a, a wolf, like a wild animal just before he passed away. There's this famous story of the Faustian bargain that Robert Johnson is said to have made at the crossroads, the deal with the devil for was, great musicianship. Was that the Route 66 uh, one? Uh, I think it figures in that song. Right. But yes, yeah, the idea of the crossroads, which is supposed to be where this physical yeah. realm meets with the spirit world, an interaction could take place between these two realms. So that was the origin of the sort of Faustian bargain within music industry circles, as embodied in Robert Johnson. And then going forward to the 1960s, you had Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones who turned up dead at the age of 27 in the swimming pool of his country home in July 1969. This is interesting because Brian Jones was the founding member of the Rolling Stones, so it was his group before Mick and Keith and the others were brought in. And there's a story uh, of Mick and Keith having visited Brian at Cotchford House, this country home of his, shortly before Brian turned up dead in that swimming pool late at night when there was a party happening at his house and Mick and Keith were trying to get Brian to sign over creative control of the Rolling Stones to them. 
and I carry this story in my first Musical Truth book, an argument is said to have arisen and Keith is said to have drawn a knife on Brian before Mick calmed him down and everyone left. And then later that night, in the midst of this party, Brian Jones is discovered face down unconscious in his swimming pool. According to most accounts, that death occurred at the hands of a man named Frank Thorogood, who was a builder and he was also a, a bodyguard, a sort of minder for the Rolling Stones. He used to go out on the road with them. So a lot of people have pointed the finger at Frank Thorogood as having been responsible for this. Uh, Frank Thorogood died many years ago, so I guess we'll never know the truth about that. Uh, so that's the Brian Jones story. And then the following year, 1970, you had Jimi Hendrix turning up dead in London, Notting Hill, September 1970. And the story behind this one, well, the official story is that Jimi choked on his own vomit. We get this uh, really undignified account of what happened. So supposedly he'd ingested some barbiturates and he choked on them. And we're told that's how he died because he asphyxi asphyxiated. But the alternative account of that event is that Jimmy was effectively waterboarded with red wine because the coroner at the inquest said that when he pressed down on his chest, there was red wine coming up through his air passages. His clothes and his hair were absolutely saturated with red wine. And his death would appear to have occurred at the hands of his manager, a guy by the name of Michael Jeffrey, who doubled as a British military intelligence operative when he wasn't running Jimi Hendrix's business affairs. And according to accounts and other researchers that have looked into this story, Michael Jeffrey hired a couple of thugs from the Newcastle underworld to come down to London and do the job. And that's what happened to Jimi Hendrix. And it was all to do with his music publishing. Mm -hmm. The old adage that an artist is worth more to a record company dead than alive because of how their record sales just go through the roof the minute their death is announced. That's been given as a motive for what could possibly be these hoaxes behind David Bowie and possibly Michael Jackson. Then you have the Jim Morrison story. Uh, well, before that, actually, you have Janis Joplin. So Janis Joplin died at the age of 27, here we go again, in a motel at the foot of the Hollywood Hills in Los Angeles. And according to information that I've seen, Janis Joplin was a close personal friend of Jimi Hendrix, and she got some insights into what had happened to Jimi, in that he was knocked off on the orders of his military intelligence manager. And so Janis had to be gotten rid of because of what she knew. So they dressed that one up as an overdose and they got away with it because they always do with rock stars because most members of the public just have rock stars down as these wild, debaucherous, reckless people that do alcohol, do drugs, live these crazy fast lifestyles and die young. That's how they get away with knocking off so many of them. Then there's Jim Morrison, 1971, which is said to be some sort of overdose in his bathtub. But as I say, I don't think that's what it was. You can then go forward to Kurt Cobain of Nirvana, 1994. Again, age 27, said to be suicide. Uh, but who knows? Could have been an assassination. 
Amy Winehouse said to be some sort of overdose. It's all quite unclear, uh, but many anomalies and discrepancies with her as well. And she was 27. And so it goes on. Yeah, the strange one, is, as I remember it, and this was just what was in the news, so who knows what's what's real and what's not, was that she had, she'd been an alcoholic for a long time, I think, hadn't mm. she? And she'd got clean, she'd got off the alcohol, and that's what killed her when she went back onto the alcohol. She didn't have that sort of tolerance that she had mm. when she was younger, and she could cane back, you know, vodka, drink a full two-litre bottle of vodka, whatever, and that's what killed her. But again... This is just stories we tell each other and we're told, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. There was some strange stuff with her niece. I think it was her niece, Dion Bromfield. She was another singer. And right around the time that Amy died, there was some very disturbing symbolism that uh, came out surrounding Dion Bromfield. Lots of satanic sort of imagery and this dark occult stuff that we see so often with these artists and um, it's all dressed up as art. They pass it off as art. I seem to remember seeing a picture where, um, was it Amy Winehouse herself? I think it might have been. I need to go back and look at my notes. But I think there was this promotional shot where Amy Winehouse was lying in a pool of blood, apparently, uh, having seemingly shot herself. Uh, so it's all very dark and disturbing. And it's actually nothing to do with fun and entertainment when you get there, <laughs> which is which is the way it's sold to us. It's really not. It's bizarre. No, um, I was um, a massive grunge fan when I was in my sort of teens, and um, my favorite. I wasn't a Nirvana fan though. I was a massive Soundgarden fan, and uh, that really shocked me when Chris Cornell died. He was like he was like my hero when I was a teenager. Well, they didn't get you with Kurt Cobain, so they got you with Chris Cornell instead. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We, well, this is the thing, Mark. We put these people on pedestals, and uh, particularly for impressionable youngsters. What do they call, do they call them? The Swifties? Taylor Swift's fans? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I don't know what they call them, yeah. but yeah, they're called something. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm a Swifty. I'll just doubt <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah, but the, the impact, the cultural impact that these, these people have is absolutely huge, and it just... I mean, it underlies the reason to have control over them and what they put out there into the zeitgeist, doesn't it? Yeah. And you have other fans of artists that are given nicknames. So Nicki Minaj fans for quite some time, going back a few years, uh, her female fans were known as Barbs because Nicki Minaj was called Barbie, as in Barbie doll. And that is a very direct allusion to the fact that Nicki Minaj was mind-controlled, going back to that again. So you get a lot of symbolism which pertains to trauma-based mind control programming and satanic ritual abuse, particularly when it comes to these female artists. And they're often depicted as dolls, the idea being that they're sort of animating this body, but they're not really in control of their own consciousness because they're being manipulated by other forces. So female fans used to refer to themselves as barbs, And the male fans, uh, believe it or not, were referred to as Kens. Uh, And then another thing that springs to mind is how fans of the Grateful Dead, going all the way back to the 1960s, used to affectionately refer to themselves and each other as Deadheads. That was their nickname. And they thought it was a term of endearment. So you'd have all these stoned-out rockers... Uh, rock fans going around saying, yeah, man, I'm a deadhead, not realising that that amounted to satanic mockery of them 
at the hands of the occult controllers that created the Grateful Dead. They're a completely manipulated group. But people really do place their favourite bands, their favourite artists on such a high pedestal. And I hear so often from people that have looked at my work the comment that, oh, I can see that the entire music industry is controlled and obviously it's pushing agendas and it's all mass brainwashing uh, and all the bands are in on it except my favourite band. <laughs> they didn't get my band. Whether it's Pink Floyd or The Who or Queen or whoever it may be, these people will claim that a band of that ilk has somehow slipped under the radar and they got through unseen and they've been able to put out sincere messages on their own free of any sort of corporate meddling or interference or being told what to do. You know, that notion is ridiculous, but it speaks to, again, celebrity worship and just how much people put their idols up on a pedestal. And I think if we're honest, we've all been guilty of it. So with me, it used to be other DJs because I was a radio and club DJ for many years and I really wanted to make it big. I wanted to make it onto BBC Radio One or One Extra. And the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life was not making it onto the BBC. But you couldn't have told me that at the time because I wanted it so badly and I couldn't understand why I kept getting knocked back and I never made it the way I really wanted to. And I can see now that it was creation looking after me and making sure that I didn't fall into that nest of vipers, you know. Uh, yeah. But I used to look at other DJs and they served as inspiration to me. The likes of Pete Tong as a radio DJ and uh, Tim Westwood. We don't really talk about him anymore. <laughs> no, well, we, we could don't talk, talk about we, him anymore. We could talk about him, but uh, <laughs> suffice to say, he's not who I once thought he was. And uh, I used to look up to him. I used to respect him because he used to have credibility in the 90s, you know, going back a long way. So Don't be your me, heroes, was, man. <laughs> I know, I know, right? With me, it was other DJs, and they've all let me down. And with other people, it's bands, and they let them down. And so the general rule of thumb has to be no more heroes. Don't have heroes, because they will always let you down. Be your own hero. How about yes. that for a message? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Mark... We're rocking up to uh, nine bells already. Is there anything um, that you want to direct people to? I was going to, we didn't get to talk about YouTube because, um, is this your third channel you're on now on YouTube? Uh, it's my fourth, mate. Fourth, I've lost three. Sorry. I'm on my fourth, yeah. Did you not think, oh, I can't be bothered doing it again? Yeah, I did. After the first two, I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I can't yeah. be asked. And then after a while, uh, people started asking me, are you on YouTube? Where can I find your YouTube videos? And I thought, you know what? I'll start a third channel, but I just put little teaser snippets of the video. And in the notes, I'll say, go to my BitChute or Odyssey for the full video. Mm. And then after a while, I started to feel a bit brave and bold. And I thought, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to throw everything up there. And I started putting the full shows on that channel. And I seemed to be flying under the, the radar and getting away with it. And then all of a sudden, the entire channel got taken down with no warning. No channel strikes, Gosh. no indication. And it was the night before I was due to release my presentation on equinoxes, solstices and their music industry connections. So I plan to release this on the morning of May the 1st, Beltane, 
because it's a very important date in the occult pagan calendar. And this is all the stuff that I was talking about in the video, tying it all together. And so I woke up 1st of May, logged into my account, or tried to, and there it was, gone, with no warning. So at that point, I thought, you know, I'm done with these jokers on YouTube, can't be asked anymore. And then after a few months, I thought, well, maybe I'll give a fourth channel a go. So I'm on my fourth, and uh, no strikes so far, but that's not really an indication of anything, is it? No, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's kind of um, the the alternative platforms are great. You mentioned obviously the BitChute, Rumble. There's a few. Um, the feeling I get is that when you you you're preaching to the choir on those platforms, people go to those platforms because they're looking for something that they know they won't find on YouTube. Whereas YouTube right. is is the monopoly; it's the mass audience, and you've more you've more chance of sort of converting people on YouTube, or at least getting them to look at things differently. You know. Who yeah, there's more them. chance of a few bewildered uh, individuals just uh, wandering onto your page yeah. and uh, com- just uh, getting completely shocked by what they've seen. And there's more chance of a wake-up call happening that way, as you say, yeah. than on these other channels. Um, links will be in the show notes, as always, for Mark's website. It's up on the screen as well. Any Anything else you want to tell people about that's coming up or uh, you want to send people to? Well, just to mention a couple of interesting overseas trips that I've got coming up. I've not really travelled much the past three and a half years for fairly obvious reasons. I used to travel a lot as a DJ and then when I got started as an author and a speaker on this circuit, I used to get a fair few trips in each year. But I've not really travelled properly since 2019. So uh, next month, as long as no spanners get thrown in the works and nothing comes along to screw it all up, I'm due to be going out to Las Vegas. I've been invited to go and speak at Flatoberfest in Las Vegas uh, over the weekend of the 20th and 21st of October. And the presentation that I plan to give is all about predictive programming and revelation of the method and how those dynamics work, but with specific reference to clues which appear to have been placed in popular music videos over the decades pertaining to the true nature of the place in which we live. So that'll be an interesting one if it uh, goes ahead. And I'm trying to manifest that trip by (laughs) imagining it happening. And then in early November, I'm due to be going to Australia, which will be uh, a trip that I'd first planned to do, a mini speaking tour in March of 2020. So great timing there. That one obviously never happened. And so this is the first opportunity that I've really had to try and regroup and uh, take this mini speaking tour out to Australia. So the plan there is I'm going to be hitting Melbourne on the 1st of November, then Brisbane on the 2nd, Sydney on the 4th, and Perth on the 5th, and giving presentations to Australian audiences at each of those gigs. So if anyone is listening who might happen to be in Australia, you never know, or might have friends and family who are, who might be interested in hearing material of the nature that I get into, then it would be great to see as many people as possible at these events. Looking forward to that one greatly. And I'm flying with Malaysian Airlines, as we were saying earlier. Uh, possibly not the best choice of airline, but they are very cheap. What can you do? <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Right, we shall wrap up this section of the show and yeah. say thanks to Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and uh, have you on the show. Um, All right, thanks, fellas. Follow the links in the show notes, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, if you could just stay on the line for us for one second while we uh, shut things off. 
And uh, the rest of you watching live will be back in 10 or 15 minutes to do some news. Okay, yeah. tatty bye. Ta-ra! Bye. All right, let's get on with it. Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of mindfulness. <laughs> I like that, Matt. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I picked up on what you said. You yeah. mentioned it, didn't you? She it was. Yeah, you are the mother of mindfulness. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was our chat with Mark Devlin. If you're just joining us, that was uh, yeah, good. I can't believe we got into U.S. politics, but. Um, you know, oh, this happens. All roads lead to US politics. He's more interesting than ours. It's like oh, I said. Yeah. It's like I said last week. What, what was the what was the vote on last week? Was it about um, the energy bill? Oh, it's the energy bill. Abstained, yeah. yeah, Labour just abstained on mass. It's like, all right, this is a democracy. So this Stays. is how democracy dies: <laughs> to thunderous applause, <laughs> as uh, Queen Amidala famously said. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, good. Okay, shall we, uh, let's move on. Let's do some headlines. Capital letters, a big news story. Headlines of the week. Under the sea, I spent ten weeks living in an underwater house with a dolphin. I loved it, but my roommate became a major problem. God, not not doing the dishes, not paying the rent. <laughs> this is a famous John Lilly experiment gone awry. I've talked about this in like episode fifty, <laughs> uh, but. Um, for some reason, it's in the news this week. I guess maybe she's got a book out or something. Anyway, here goes. A woman who spent 10 weeks living in an underwater house with a dolphin has revealed the one major problem that caused her lots of stress. Margaret Howe Lovett had a wild fling with six-year-old bottlenose Peter in the 1960s as part of a bizarre NASA-funded experiment. The project was designed to teach dolphins to understand and potentially even mimic human speech. With <laughs> with a with a weird long term goal to work out how humans could talk to aliens. Oh God, we're, we're oh being prepared. God. I told you we're being prepared, man. Blue beamed, blue yeah. beamed. What do they call it? Summit messaging. Uh, Mark, the Mark, no, no. Uh, no, Mark gave the term earlier. I don't know. Telegram. Someone in the chat will tell me. Um, pre-programming. Uh, pre-programming. <laughs> yeah, just call it pre-programming. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps even odder was the massive undertaking to create the Dolphin House, a sprawling complex flooded with water where Margaret and Peter would live together for 10 weeks. <laughs> The 23-year-old hated leaving in the evenings and still feeling that there was much work left to do, so she convinced lead project neuroscientist, the infamous, I've added that, Dr. (laughs) John Lilly, to let her live in the lab, waterproofing the upper floors and flooding them with uh, a couple of feet of water. That way, human and dolphin could occupy the same space. Margaret would spend all her time in the 22-inch deep seawater with Peter, apart from when she could uh, climb onto a dry bed or desk which hung from the ceiling, a ceiling (laughs) hidden behind shower curtains. The couple were to live, sleep, 
wash, eat, and play together as they attempted to teach the dolphin, one of the most intelligent animals on the planet, how to speak through its blowhole. <laughs> Strange choice. What? Not, why not go for the mouth? Because uh, I suppose it doesn't... How speech works, doesn't it? Going through your larynx. Right. Ah, uh, yeah. With the air. Movement of air. Right. I thought... And all just, the teeth. I thought you just spoke through your mouth. Yeah, Do you not I speak through your blowhole? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I can make my ass talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I've had a curry or something. Mm. Yeah. But as the pair spent more time together, Margaret's, do- Margaret's dolphin roommate started becoming a major problem as he began to have intense sexual urges towards her. He's a maniac. But the dolphin did. Yeah, <laughs> Peter, yeah. Uh, quote, when we had nothing to do was when we did the most. Oh, no. He was very, very oh. interested in my anatomy, she said. If I was sitting here and my legs were in the water... He would come up and look at the back of my knee for a long time. Oh, oh erotic. <laughs> yeah, it's this an erogenous zone, isn't it? The back of the knee. What's the name for it? Back knee, of the, the knee. Knee, <laughs> knee back. <laughs> yeah. uh, he wanted to know how that thing worked. And I was so charmed <laughs> and I was so charmed by it. Peter then became even more excited as his desires would not be fulfilled by Margaret. Quote He would rub himself on my knee. My foot or my hand, Margaret revealed. She had, she added that moving Peter back down to the enclosure each time this happened soon became a logistical nightmare. This resulted in Margaret making the reluctant decision to satisfy Peter's sexual urges herself manually. No. <laughs> yep. Oh, she's wanking a dolphin. It was just easier to incorporate that and let it happen, she admitted. It would just be part of what was going on, like an itch, just to get rid of that scratch, and then we could get be done and move on. It wasn't sexual on my part, on my part, sensuous perhaps. That is a quote. That is a quote and a half, isn't it? Yeah, fuck. It seemed to me that it made the bond closer, not because of the sexual activity, but because of the lack of having to keep taking breaks. (laughs) And that really was all it was. I was there to get to know Peter, and that was part of Peter. His sexuality, I guess. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Unfortunately, Peter had fallen in, love, fallen in love with the 23-year-old research assistant, but the experiment's funding ran out, and the oh. dolphin house had to close. <laughs> when the two separated, Peter was so heartbroken, he took his own life. <laughs> what did he do? He wanked himself <laughs> to death? <laughs> Just a knee. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, no, he refused to breathe, sank to the bottom of his tank and died in a case widely claimed to be an act of suicide. Wow. Um, dolphins, dolphins are conscious breathers. They have to consciously take every breath. Right. Not like us. It's part of our, is it the autonomic ner- nervous system? Yeah. So yep. We breathe automatically. Dolphins don't. They have to consciously breathe. So a dolphin can literally just take its last breath, sink to the bottom and, and kill itself. That's uh, some fucked up shit. <laughs> Peter, <What a> waste. <laughs> Peter was shipped away from Margaret, being taken a thousand miles away to Dr. Lily's other, much smaller lab in Florida. Within weeks, the seemingly heartbroken dolphin had died in an apparent act of suicide as he was kept in cramped conditions without his lover. Wow. And his a wank assistant. His wanker offer. Wanker offer. Yeah. His handmaid. 
Ooh. <laughs> his milkmaid? His milkmaid, yeah. Yeah. What a shame, eh? I know, yeah. Yeah. The yeah, highs and lows. <laughs> I don't know why this was in this week's news, because this is an old story. Oh, uh, what? Uh, You've dredged it up from the past. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. American XL bully dogs to be banned after attacks, Rishi uh, Slumdog yeah, says. This is, this is uh, <laughs> Slumdog, Slumdog billionaire. Wow, yeah. What did Biden call him? Uh, R- Rashid Sunuk. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got the statement here. The American XL bully dog is a danger to our communities, particularly our children. I share the nation's horror at the recent videos we've all seen. Yesterday, we saw another suspected XL bully dog attack, which has tragically led to a fatality. It's clear this is not about a handful of badly trained dogs. It's a pattern of behaviour, and it cannot go on. While owners already have a responsibility to keep their dogs under control, I want to reassure people that we are urgently working on ways to stop these attacks and protect the public. Today, I have tasked ministers to bring together police and experts to firstly define the breed of dog behind these attacks with a view to then outlawing it. It is not currently a breed defined in law, so this vital first step must happen fast. We will then ban the breed under the Dangerous Dogs Act, and new laws will be in place by the end of the year. These dogs are dangerous. I want to reassure the public that we will take all necessary steps to keep people safe. Thought that was interesting that it's not sort of defined in law. I'm wondering if it's like a some sort of crossbreed that came over from the states. Then it is. I don't yeah. know anything about them. Is that the case? I believe so. Yeah, they're like they're just giant, they're fucking massive. Yeah, giant bulldogs. Well, obviously the the bred for for that musculature, aren't they? To mm. be sort of intimidating. Mm-hmm. That's the impression I get. I don't know much I about. Don't, them. Yeah, what I've read, you know, it's probably it's come through the media. So. Um, it seems to be associated, like you know, with kind of a status thing, um, to have one of these dogs. Well, it, it used to be staffies, didn't it? Yeah. So the, yeah. Mm. Up until very recently, like we've all seen the scrouts, aren't we, <laughs> walking around the town centres <laughs> with these staffies? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it gives yeah. the dog a bad name, but mm. there is a cultural aspect. Do you remember um, one of our producers, Helen, mm-hmm. who's in the element server? Oh, yes. She's got this car, hasn't she? Uh, is, it oh, a, yeah. is it a Mustang or a Dodge Charger or something Mopar, like that? Mopar, Dodge, uh, Dodge, what the hell is it? Dodge something. Charger, I think. But um, this car, because it's like a Gone in 60 Seconds car, it gets loaned out for things like music videos, and she's shown, shown us the old picture. Well, if you follow her on Instagram, you can see. And it's part of the culture, isn't it, to have the mm. car, the scantily clad women, and then these dogs. They yeah. look like XL bullies and... This seems to be where the problem is. I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not giving it any thought, really, but I'm not sure where I stand on the on the banning of the breed, if it even is a breed. You know, I don't know. Uh, what's wrong with a cocker spaniel in an MX-5? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. It yeah. seems to be that they're getting loose. That's the problem. Like there was a video of one. It was just running around well, the streets, completely yeah. nuts. The, you know? sto- the stories that I hear, it's like of certain dogs that are kind of kept by certain types of people. So scumbags. Yeah, like well like <laughs> drug dealers and they get them, you know, purposefully to for like protection and like, you know, they keep them aggressive or train them to be aggressive, I would I should say. That's a problem, in, isn't like, it? Tiny places. That's mm. a problem. If you're if you're breeding for certain traits, negative mm. traits like aggression towards humans or other dogs, then mm. that's totally not on, is it? Mm-hmm. 
You shouldn't be doing that in this day and age uh, for the purposes of having a pet. Yeah. For fuck's sake. But yeah, uh, yeah, some of them, uh, well, again, you know, what I've read I mean, is that they're not pets. They're, they're likely being used to intimidate people, basically. The thing is, Weapons. was it not the same with Dobermans in the 80s, man? German Shepherds, we've had it with Rottweilers. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I suppose. People use these dogs for security. Yeah, People, yeah. you know, Rongans use them for security. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that's where my sort of, um, my uh, quandary, my confliction is. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't know if we should be blaming, well, we definitely shouldn't be blaming the dogs because they're just dogs <laughs> and they have owners. But, you know, I don't know if this is going to help or what. I mean, the banning. The banning, I've not looked into the stats or anything, you know, is this dog overrepresented in the well, attacks? This is the thing, this is what I was going to say. Because that... any uh, the RSPCA came out and said any dog can bite, and they're, they're against the ban, the RSPCA. Well, this is what my, my wife uh, always likes to trot out, this stat. I don't know where <laughs> she's uh, found it, um, but she says, you know, you know what the, the dog is that causes the most bites or does the most biting. It's <laughs> Poodle? Poodle? A Labrador. Ah, yes, but is that, are those stats, do those stats take into account the number of Labradors? Well, Labrador is the, is the, the yes. most popular breed yeah, in the yeah, country. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is where we need reliable numbers mm. to be able to make informed decisions. Mm. What have we learned from the last few years, man? <laughs> you need good numbers to be able to make good decisions. So, yeah, it's like a, Phil, Phil posted something on Facebook and it was like a bar chart of mm. dog attacks. And the XL bully was 10 times higher than anything else. There was no time scale on the graph. There was no um, sort of frequency of the number of dogs, mm-hmm. you know, which is which breeds are most popular. Um, you know, it's nonsense. It's just a random stat and mm-hmm. which can't be used to represent anything mm-hmm. in its... In its um, but it's, it's interesting it's that this story is, is kind of... I just did an Illuminati hand <laughs> signal. Luckily, no one saw it. Yeah, it's down as a pen. <laughs> um, so it, it's just been all over the news, hasn't it, over recent... I've seen it kind of building and building and building and building. And it's been like on, like, you know, 6 o'clock news on BBC One and it's in all the papers, these kinds of Excel bully dog attacks it's really weird how it's presumably because there have been a lot a lot of attacks and there have been fatalities recently fatality you get back to mortal kombat mk ultra again yeah (laughs) i don't know it's a weird one isn't it yeah i don't know we'll see what happens i mean i'm guessing it'll go through there's i think there's four banned breeds isn't there? there's the pit bull Mm -hmm. which was banned yeah, quite a while ago, and then there's some sort of exotic. I'm doing that <laughs> signal again. There's some some exotic breeds. Uh, is it the Brasilia? There's Argentino, Fila. Which one? Brazilian, Brazilian Fila yeah. or something. Fila, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Why? What's the why? What's wrong? Oh, with there's a, a Japanese one. Is it the Tosa? Japanese Tosa, Tosa yeah. I think. Yeah. Are these aggressive breeds or something? Well, <laughs> or is it? You know, I don't know. Further up the hierarchy, saying no. I think any dog can be aggressive. That's the diff. That's the mm. difficulty, can't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, any dog can <coughs> can have a, can snap. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I guess the argument is is that some breeds are maybe in general more tolerant than others. Yeah. Or uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I think it's it's sad what's happened to to people. So. Mm. 
I don't know. Let's hope for a, a good resolution. Yeah. Anyway, um, I've only got two headlines, so we're going to do some more funny stuff. Let's rattle through some house housekeeping. Housekeeping. Quick. Some house corning. Housekeeping. The Survive Value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. Uh, the ways of doing this are legion, the numerous, and my favourite way, as ever, is word of mouth. Sharing links wherever you are online. If you're in uh, Telegram groups, uh, Facebook messenger groups, uh, Discord servers, wherever you are, if you can share links to people, if you think they'll find this valuable, that helps us grow our reach, get more support, get more producers chipping in with uh, artwork and clips and all the rest of it. It's mm. good. It's all good. Go gravy, baby. Talk to your dolphin roommates <laughs> about us. Wank off a dolphin <laughs> and whisper into its blowhole about the Amish Inquisition. Uh, There's a T-shirt in there somewhere, isn't there? There is. In that story. There definitely is. Wank off a dolphin for the Amish Inquisition. I pleasured the dolphin the... for six years and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. I was going to say that's a bit on the nose. Maybe yeah. it's a bit on the bottle nose. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm. Dolphin. Right, okay. Um, why don't you join the Element server? That's where a lot of stuff goes down, isn't it? Yeah, be careful you don't get your eyes gouged, though. Gouge his eyes! Yeah, don't get your eyes gouged within the server. Um, but in there, you can uh, send us news articles, audio links, uh, timestamp them. That's sometimes helpful. You can always email us that kind of stuff as well, the armishinquisition at gmail.com. We do get a lot of... Tons Intel. of stuff through email. It's great. Yeah. It's great being spoiled for choice. It is, isn't it? For what we're going to cover. Exactly. Um, in the in the server, you can also post show artwork. Yeah, I've got a submission this week. This is from Johnny. Incoming show artwork for episode 296 with... Uh, well, definitely, no, yeah, there's a show artwork. Kapow! That coat looks warm. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Keeping him warm in the Matrix. That's it. Thanks for that, Johnny. Really yes. appreciate it. We, and they sent us the thumbnail, the YouTube thumbnail artwork as well. And now he's a producer, isn't he? Yeah, you get a credit in the show notes. Yeah, so you, you can, can put that on your CV, yeah. your LinkedIn, yeah. your, your IMDb. IMDb, <laughs> yeah. We can, we're on IMDb. You know. These credits are real. Yeah. They're, they're actually real. We will back you up. You can say you're a producer of a podcast. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, why not? Yeah, say you've wanked off a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Just, uh, um, say that, yeah. Uh, sub, comment, like, smash the bell. Not just hit it, smash it and share. Um, it's all good for the algo on YouTubes. Mm. Um, leave us a review. Um, and if we if we see it, um, we'll read it out. Gosh, I've not checked for a while. No, yes, yeah, so there's probably thousands now. <laughs> um, so... Sometimes we don't actually get the reviews either, do we? Some, we used to check on something, but we don't really do it that often. So if you want to send us a review... This seemed like a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to send us a review, we'll read it out for you. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and we monitor comments. Sometimes we highlight comments on YouTube well, and we'll say, read them get, out if we get particularly funny. If they're particularly funny and, and the anti-Semitism or in, or is in rife. <laughs> we don't read bitch shoot comments out. No, we don't, unfortunately, <laughs> because of that. Uh, it's a hotbed of nonsense. <clears throat> um, 
Give us a, hey, what about the merch store, man? Yeah, what about a merch? Pick up some merch. So the Amish loot chest. We have some uh, T-shirts and hoodies and things available. You are the carbon they want to reduce. That's yeah. uh, the useless eater model. Yeah, that's nice. Thanks. We've got uh, the bacon nuts for all you Francis Bacon Shakespeare authorship question fans, of which there must be billions watching <laughs> right, right yeah. now. And that's not specific at all. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> no, get the mug as well because we sell so many T-shirts. <laughs> and three weeks to flatten the earth this is my fa- personal favourite. That was designed by mm. Lee from the Big Conspire. Hey, this is another way you can become a producer if you get have an idea for a T-shirt and you'd like to see it in our merch store. Why not um, mm. send us like a a file and I will implement it if it's cool and funny mm. Mm. or just, you know, I think if I you're think, a base yeah. Sigma Chad. I think somebody needs to knock up a wank off a dolphin. Armour's <laughs> <laughs> Inquisition t-shirt. Yeah, so, something. yeah, link in the show notes for the merch store. Hey, guess what? If you sign up for the newsletter, the Rumspringer newsletter that comes out on the first of every month, mm. you get a 10% discount code exactly. for the merch store. So that could be like 50 quid off a hoodie, basically. <laughs> If inflation keeps going the way it does. Oh, right, yes, yes. Wheelbarrows of cash <laughs> to buy a mug, no doubt. Yes. Uh, in the Elements server, you can make guest suggestions. You can request a birthday shout-out. And you can also uh, request a focused chi. Now, this is unique oh. to the Amish Inquisition podcast. Yeah. Um, but if your chi is depleted, or if you've got something coming up that you require some chi enhancement, yeah. you know, like an exam, an interview, some kind of test that you're having done. Maybe you're at, you've started a new school and you're worried that the roofs are going to fall in on your head because <laughs> of concrete. Yeah, we'll blast some chi <laughs> into you so that you're shielded from <laughs> the falling Rack. concrete. <clears throat> um, it's just like the force, yeah. Um, so, you know, you can do that kind of stuff as well. Um, I think that's pretty much everything, is it? Yeah, and birthday, birthday shouts. I don't know if we did that. Happy then. birthday to you. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, I think, that's, I think that's all the ways to become a producer, isn't it? Mmm, except... Toss us a coin. Toss a coin yeah, to your do it for the lads. Oh, lads, lads, lads. Oh, oh, gosh, um, even if we are anti-social bastards... Like Mark. Uh, if you go to armistinquisition.com, <laughs> find the PayPal button there, you can give us a one off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. It all helps keep the lights on and uh, pay the running costs, pay for Zoom and web hosting and all the rest of it. And yeah, uh, la- Lateral flow tests. Lateral flow tests? <laughs> How much are they on eBay now? Have you looked on eBay? Uh, no. We were talking about this last week, weren't we? Because mm. I reckon my dad's got a stockpile that needs to go on eBay. <laughs> Um, They've got an expiry date. Yeah. I found out today. People people <laughs> won't bother with them. Surely yeah. they'll just take them anyway. They've got, right. they've got those uh, crystals in that soak up the moisture. So uh, you know. silica oh, gel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would hold on. I would. I wouldn't start selling any stockpile of COVID tests until probably October. late November. Oh, late November. I'm going to say. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. Toss us a coin. Only you fuckers out there can save Blockland. And keep the shit show going. Right, let's thank them. It's time. It's time to big up the Mandems, yo. Uh, producers for episode 296, we have Emma Bridges, Alaya, Johnny Fong, Helen, and Eric. Thank you. They are. Yeah. So, 
amazing in their love and literally the best mate. She's I'm literally a communist. The dwarf, the currants, the grape, the doctor of thugonomics, the homophobe, the wind, the giant fucking lenses, the chest feeding, communist, the base sigma chad, the corrupt the baby penis, inner asshole, these clockwork clowns, the dime bar, the number 11, the bee gun on the bus, the blinder, the big chungus, the cripple, the mother of the money from hell, my are you retarded? I don't get it, never will. You can also um, request a jingle as well, you know, if you donate. If you donate on uh, PayPal, there's usually a little text box. And if you want a jingle playing a specific one, literally a communist or whatever, um, I'll make that happen. Well, how would you? Big style, big time, yeah. Okay. Maybe even a chain of jingles, because sometimes things sort of roll into each other to create something unique and funny. Um, so yeah, we will definitely implement that. Okay, right, that was good. That was quick. Uh, rapid housekeeping. That's good. Nice. <laughs> Let's um, end of show ISOs. Oh, how many have you got? Uh, three thousand. How many have I got this week? I've got three. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I'm not impressed really with the, the quality. Um, <laughs> we've got Biden. Well, there's a lot of lying dog face pony sources out there about about global warming. It's not very clear. Is that a new dog-faced a... pony soldier? Yeah, it's a new dog-faced pony soldier. Well, the, wow. the, remember the the original... Mm. Pause that. The original one was... You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You... Yeah. yeah, but this is, a, this is one, from, this one from this week. Um, so there's that. What else have I got? Um, oh, no good. Uh, it's no fair. I don't like it. It's not good. I like that one. Oh, that, that's the Podfather. Yeah, God, I'm popping my yeah. piece tonight. I keep, I keep because I'm turning towards you. I'm going on access, on the... axis to the microphone. You're supposed to talk across the axis to uh, reduce your popping of peas. Well, why have you not told me that? I thought you knew about. I thought you knew about good mic technique. No, gosh, all right. You notice that uh, Mark has a handheld mic. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, I yeah. That, yeah. Like a game show host. Yeah. And uh, zero handling. I've meant to ask him what model it is. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's a, maybe a bear, bear dynamic. Um, but no handling noise. No. Yes. Like this. Oh uh, yeah. See, see what happens when you when you wank off a dolphin. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, Mark doesn't get that. Okay, so no good. Um, what about this one? What about this one? And some striking, really lovely. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> I kind of, uh, I don't think I've edited that hey. properly. That's, oh, this is what I meant to have. Sorry. Um, one second. Let's back that up. Really lovely. Well, that. Really lovely. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Is that not a good way to end? I think it's so. really lovely. We're having that then, really lovely. Yeah. You, got, you, you, you edited it down all by yourself. <laughs> On the fly. Wow. That was a clip from uh, Modern Wisdom, you know, that podcast with that, that hunky man, Chris. Chris Williamson. From Newcastle. That's the drinking game. Anytime he mentions Newcastle, you have to take a shot. Either or, that or, or bro, bro science. Bro science, <laughs> yeah. There was, there, was one, there was one with a psychology researcher, and they, you could tell the sexual chemistry between the two of them. There was so much flirting going on. It was disgusting. Oh, right. I'd like to listen to that. 
you know, you might have listened to it. It was a few weeks ago. I don't listen to many. Right, I, okay. I, I pick and choose depending on the guest. And it's, it's when I've run dry of other things to listen to. You go and listen to some bro science. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Williamson. Yeah, he was talking about, um, he was talking to a researcher um, who's written a book. Um, she worked under Robin Dunbar, famous oh. for Dunbar's number. Okay. Who we've seen live, man. We saw him, seen in, him gigging. in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. about Dunbar's number. Uh, but this this researcher is looking at the role of fathers. Oh, yeah. uh, she's an anthro, um, evolutionary anthropologist. It That's was an interesting one. It was an interesting one. I've got this clip, which I found okay. entertaining. Yeah, there's a particular... Yeah, no, that's true. There's a particular rhythm, and it's why we find some touch or some stroking irritating oh, I listen to and that. some stroking really lovely. And I suppose, you know, you might if we, you know, you you have a partner who strokes and sometimes you're like, no, that's really... And it's usually because it's at the wrong frequency. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I found that quite interesting. Yeah, sentencing will occur on September <laughs> the 22nd. Uh, he could get uh, a long time in prison for that. By really? The yeah, like a decade. What? Why? Out, out in five, whatever. Because you're not supposed to, f- you know... It's, no, you're not. But... It's rape. <laughs> There's been a rape. <laughs> oh, gosh. Not getting any laughs yeah, well, out of Ben this evening, are we? No, nah, he's ill. He's, he's ill. He's ill. He's got his hood up. He's doing I've emails. <laughs> Paul Suda. I'm not even doing emails. I couldn't make any sense. <laughs> Available in all good gun shops. Well, sometimes I get I eat too many of them and my tongue burns. Yeah, really? that's the good stuff. Yeah. Um, should we do the Mexican aliens? <laughs> Tiny baby aliens. And do do the Mexican aliens? Got a clip here. Yeah. I'm sure most people are aware of uh, this story. This is breaking news coming out of Mexico City, Mexico. They held a UFO UAP congression. Did they hire the guy who used to do the intro voiceover for the A team? I know, yeah. Soldiers of Fortune. National <laughs> mm. hearing, similar to the one the United States held earlier this year in July 2023. This was yesterday, September 12th, 2023, and Mexico took it a step further. They provided and presented body evidence of actual extraterrestrial. As you can see in the video, they are claiming these are two mummified bodies of aliens. They're over 1,000 years old and they were found in a mine. Take a look at this footage and the scans that reveal an even bigger revelation. Yeah. The fuck out of here. <laughs> well, we had some, some wonderful... Uh, Memes and images sent on the Element server. I've just uh, picked a few to highlight. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, done. Uh, next. Oh, I know, it, it yeah, was definitely fucking that. E.T. That's, that's what a I good was, one. I was thinking it was just like E.T. Sorry, I don't know who's made all these, so I can't credit them. Imagine how many producer credits people are missing out on. Well, Has anyone done one of that with... Biden's face. <laughs> the, <boy. laughs> the possibilities are endless. Yeah, aren't they? yeah someone needs to do that. <laughs> yeah. Get away from her. Yeah. Batch. Uh, so what's the what what's going on with these a- alien things then? <laughs> <laughs> not finished yet. <laughs> All right. Okay. Older. Not not sure about that one. Oh, it made me laugh. And, uh, oh, oh there we go. Uh, he's giving uh-huh. a good sniff. Mr. Sniffy Man coming in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. But obviously this one, Johnny's, uh, this one coming up is Johnny's and it is the best. <laughs> oh, my God. 
not alien related, unless you <laughs> think that Sam Smith is an alien. He could well be. But uh, yeah, interesting. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's I reckon I could do Sam Smith cosplay. <laughs> I've you got could, the glasses. You could do. Trim you? the beard a bit. Yeah. Put about 200 pounds on. That vacant MK Ultra look in your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, man. Got that while you're ill. <laughs> Make the most of it. <laughs> um, so, are we saying aliens are real now then? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I've not really looked into the story of it. It seems like this was in the Mexican Parliament or yeah. some committee. Yeah. But it's some UFO expert who's come out, come forward with the bodies. Right, okay. I just, it seems completely ludicrous to me. I mean, it looked a little bit like Plaster of Paris. Um, Papier-mâché? Yeah. I think you could have done better. Papier-mâché? Possibly. Um, you know, the classic greys. We're going on, we're going there, aren't we, basically? Tiny greys. Um, be interesting. Surely they've done DNA then. You would have think they've done DNA on them. Straight away. <coughs> they did. Yeah. It's alien did. DNA, though, is different. They yeah. said it's not human. Oh. Yeah. That's because it's, it's a cake. <laughs> it's a birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Nah, I, I, don't, I think it's nothing to see here. Right. Okay. Really. Personally, that's my view. Is it smoke and mirrors? Long. Yeah. What we've been, we been prepared for then? What's really coming down the pipes? What, Project Bluebeam? Yeah. Bluebeam? I don't know. That? Will it be aliens, Jesus, or the Antichrist? Project Blue. Real three. Could be yeah. a triple threat. Like a a, a galactic battle. Oh, that'd be ace. I mean, Jesus. Keep it in space. Jesus and the good aliens, and the Antichrist and the bad aliens. Yeah. That'd be good. It'd be like Stargate. Well, was that in the Elements server as well about something around NASA saying they detected, <laughs> like. <laughs> Sorry, my apocalypse. You've got 30 minutes to knock up an alien body with anything you can find. Three, two, one, go. Sorry, I interrupted. NASA uh, was doing what? They said that they, they looked at a massive planet orbiting, a, I think, a red... Do you get red dwarfs, sons? Or do you get red giants? <laughs> called do you know, sometimes I'm just going to start talking about bottom and dwarf now. Sometimes I, I think back to how great life was in the 90s on Friday night and you turn BBC Two on and bottom was on at nine and Red Dwarf was on at half nine. Oh, before yeah. the internet. Exactly. What yeah. about the internet? That's made things miles better. That's it. Hasn't it? Twitter <laughs> and uh, X. Well, Microsoft Teams. <laughs> oh my gosh, life is so much better now than it was in the 90s. No. Teams fan, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Should we leave the the fake aliens? Uh, I don't think there's much to say, is there? You were halfway through something about oh NASA found a giant planet, a giant planet where the that's all they say, yeah, because <laughs> space is fake and gay. <laughs> um, that uh, they detected signs of life, so the possibility of liquid water, water vapor. Oh right, and was it certain gases in the and atmosphere? A gas, and a gas that on the is only present with life or something. I don't know what that is. Methane. You yeah, could just horribly. tell us that the alien Jesus Antichrist three-way is already happening. 
but you can't see it because it's so far away. <laughs> Be afraid. Pick a side. We shall see what happens with Blue Beam and Soft Disclosure. Um, uh, I just, I'm just highly sceptical. Anyway, Blue Beam's such a shit name. What is Blue Beam? Yeah, isn't that that new superhero? <laughs> the DC flopper. That's tanked, hasn't it, that one? Well, yeah. superhero fatigue. Gary's mm. been talking about it for months, years. So's the drinker. Mm. People have, are done. Mm. Uh, they should have stopped. They should have given it 10 years after Endgame. Give it 10 years, let people, you know, mm. work, work it through the system, and then people might be able to get excited about it again. But, yeah. you know, you kinda can't kill the Golden Goose. Mm. <sighs> but they have. They have killed the Golden Goose. They've destroyed Marvel. Star Wars has been destroyed, and uh, they reap the benefits with the share price. It's tanking. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Let's move on. Let's move to uh, Ukraine. Oh. I've got a clip from the uh, the spokesperson for the Ukraine Territorial Defense Forces. I don't know if you're familiar with her. A Westerner, Sarah Ashton Shirillo, or Kirillo. She's the spokesman for the Ukraine Armed Forces. Right. Russia hates the truth that their obsessive focus on a Ukrainian volunteer is simply allowing the light of the Ukrainian nation's honesty to shine brightly. Next week, the teeth of the Russian devils will gnash. It's pretty extreme, isn't it? What the fuck? (laughs) Is that the trick with the washing machine from a few weeks ago? (laughs) I think it is, yeah. To shine brightly. Next week, the teeth of the Russian devils will gnash ever harder, and their rabid mouths will foam in uncontrollable frenzy as the world will see a favorite Kremlin propagandist pay for their crimes. And this puppet of... I just want to say, this isn't The Onion. This isn't satire or parody. This is real. (laughs) This is real-life spokesperson for the Ukrainian what Defense the Forces. Fuck, ...will gnash ever harder, and their rabid mouths will foam in uncontrollable frenzy as the world will see a favorite Kremlin propagandist pay for their crimes. And this puppet of Putin is only the first. Russia's war criminal propagandists will all be hunted down, and justice will be served as we in Ukraine are led on this mission by faith in God, liberty, and complete liberation. God, liberty, and complete liberation. Yeah, that's what they're following. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's uh, it's just going on and on and on, isn't it? There's no end in sight, but that's great because it's good for their bottom line. Well, so she lived with a dolphin for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Ten weeks. Yeah, All right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's... Yeah. I think it's that thing, isn't it, about there's no talks around... Peace. Well, there's no peace talks or suggestion of peace talks, is there? No, there's no money for Raytheon in peace yeah. or Lockheed Martin or BAE Systems. Well, no, that was the thing, wasn't it? That they've set up a or setting up a facility to make weapons in Ukraine. Who is BAE? BAE. Are they? Yeah. Wow. I know. Well, I mean, it's it's it. You know, saves the cost of shipping it over there, doesn't it? Well, yeah. Do you imagine yeah. if you're like, right, uh, Dave? Um, we need so, we need a new a project management boots on the ground in Ukraine. <laughs> Fuck that! Uh, no, Fuck that. is it no. remote? <laughs> <laughs> Can I do it on Teams? <laughs> Fuck yeah! I think exactly. there's uh, an abundance of depleted uranium around there, though, isn't there? So um, come in handy. Maybe. That's what they've been using. They've been using depleted uranium. 
They've been given the okay for that by the by the US. Who the yeah. new Ukrainian army? Yeah. In they use I knew they use it in tank shells, don't they? Those are lipstick mines as well. What's that? They've been um, they're, they're they're like micro mines, so like the size of a lipstick. Really, so size of a dog's dick. Just like take your foot off, basically, just for maiming. Maiming people, just litter them all over the place. And, because of, and well, and because it's got depleted uranium, because it's no, dead. They, they don't know. Oh. It's just, they're just things like they use, you know. It's a shit game, man. It's a shit industry war. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's you know, but like you said, no one's talking about peace. So no, no, no. And, uh, who's going to broker a peace and what terms will be acceptable? It's like who, you know, your guess, is, your guess is as good as mine. The Tony Blair Institute for Global Change Climate <laughs> Crisis. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would happily see Tony Blair in in Ukraine right now. Yeah, stay um, there, stay there. You sort it out. I saw something about the grain ships or. Or, or been, deal with Poland was it? Have been allowed to go or something? Some I don't know. Is it the Black Sea? Is that what's around uh, Ukraine? Is that right? Yeah, Crimea is on the Black Sea, isn't it? Is it Crimean Pe- Peninsula? Mm, so they can get the grain out, perhaps. Mm. But yeah. So you know, I'm hoping that my bread's cheap enough. My pasta. Uh, gets a little man. I know. I made the change. I've made the change to little. Have you? Yep. Why? Do, what? What? what 10% you... off my next shop, man. Yeah, there's the little plus card. I got it? it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get free shit. I I'm got not... a massive shampoo. Free. <coughs> <laughs> uh, my, my coupon was for one CN item, and CN is like their. Shin. Uh, Shin. It's <laughs> the toiletries brand. It is, yeah. So I just picked the most expensive thing that I would use. Oh, and what was that? A big tub of shampoo, right. like a giant one. Right. With, should have been three oh, cards on it. Shin. So yeah, I get free forever. That <laughs> I get free bread, free bread occasionally. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and ten percent off the next shop because I spent two hundred and fifty quid this month. Holy uh, shit! Do you go to Lidl? Do you not use the card? We used to go, uh, but I've been banned now because my my wife uh, watched something about to do with the meat. So we were finding Ooh. that when. <laughs> We open like chicken, especially, or you know the meat generally. It was kind of always smelt a bit pongy and almost really? off. Yeah, nitrogen. Now I don't know. Well, I, I be that, but um, she's seen something. Apparently, there's this thing of where they get their chicken from, and it's it's kind of doesn't look great. Basically, I mean, ideally, you'd get all your meat from a butcher, wouldn't you? But they yeah, don't like, have your own chickens. They don't. They don't. There yeah. aren't many. They're sort of thin on the ground now, aren't they? Well, there's one. Uh, well, I know of. Well, there's one in the market, isn't there? Now there used to be loads in the market. Now there's just one um, in town, and then I think there's one where her. There's one in Longridge, actually. I think, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah, good one. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to walk a little bit longer than fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. Probably. But we got to Morrison's now, in case you're wondering. All right. Well, I and needed just hemorrhage to... cash there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I I shit out a look a uh, little the other week, and I had to go into Sainsbury's for something. Uh, this is the item in question: <laughs> boiling the bag, buttered piss flaps, <laughs> wow. one pound twenty nine. I mean, that's a bargain. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to find them in Little, I'm afraid. What is it really? Kippers. Is what it says on the tin. Kippers. Right, okay. Oh, Don't ruin it. No, right. Sorry. Oh, it's Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, let's move on. 
I've got a good one. I wanted to highlight this clip of uh, Theresa Tam in Canada. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's um, she's like the Canadian Chris Whitty. Right. She's something like Chief Medical Officer or the equivalent in the Canadian system. And uh, this clip was going round, so I thought I would uh, share. I thought I would bring in share. Yeah, please do. Just as Whoa. a follow-up, and sorry to cut you off, but I... Whoa, what are you noticing? She's got a... Um... That's not her, by the way. Oh, right, okay. There's three of them. It's a panel. Right, okay. Experts. I mean, she looks like she's just about to uh, cut up some insulation in my... <laughs> ...off conversion. That's what it is. It's Kingspan. In... She's a Kingspan. She's cutting up Kingspan. In fact, I wish my builder would wear a face mask like that, because like that, he's been hacking his guts up all week. Well, I mean, a, <laughs> I mean, a face mask will stop, um, you know, your flakes of Kingspan mm. getting into your airways. Mm. Probably not. You know, just wanted to take note. You're all, you're all masking, which is lovely to see, of course. But mm. most that's Theresa Tam. Right. ministers are are not now. Most MPs are not. Most people on the street are not masking. Is is there any specific guidance on that going forward at, at this point? She's just playing Minesweeper. I know. <laughs> yes, Theresa Tam. So um, it is a layer of protection. We hope people have developed the habit to be able to use masks as needed during the respiratory virus season, not just for COVID, but for the, all the other um, respiratory pathogens. Ding, 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 ding. Did we catch that? Not just for COVID, but all the other... To use masks as needed during the respiratory virus season, not just for COVID, but for all the other... Um, respiratory pathogens that will be transmitted around this time. So I do think now is the time to get your masks ready if you don't already have them. Um, in our own particular context, we certainly in our area, there's been an uptick in some of the COVID-19 indicators. Uh, for me personally... That an uptick in indicators? What does that mean? I'm guessing it's the sewage monitoring. They monitor, they, that's what they're doing. They monitor wastewater. The turds to see if and the then, virus is then, in the turds. Yeah, and run that through one of those great uh, PCR tests. Right. You know, okay. the, the, the 50-50 test. The creator of which said, this is not a diagnostic test. You can you can find anything you want in it. Did he die? Double it, before triple he, it. Yeah, he mysteriously <laughs> died. A perfectly fit, healthy man in his 50s who was a surfer. Yeah, yeah he died of a heart attack. Why you know, um, back in like the 70s... Um, there was evidence of it in a congressional hearing of this. Um, I don't know. The CIA had a heart attack gun. You could actually, they could actually shoot someone and give them a heart attack. You know, you'd have all the symptoms of a heart attack. You <laughs> that's, can... that's just a normal gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can find that video on YouTube of the congressional hearing and then demonstrating that they, they had this technology 50 years ago. Wow. But not saying they're, they're obviously wouldn't be related. Uh, there have been cases around um, 
you know, my, even my work colleagues. So uh, that's one of the reasons uh, why we are wearing masks today. So you've got a very mixed accent. Yeah, well, I think she's some. She's a heritage is from Asia. I don't know whether it's China or Japan, Korea, one of those countries. I think mm. Theresa Tam. No, she sounded English. Like she, yeah, like a yeah. London. Well, she's probably educated here. Yeah, she probably went to Oxford or Cambridge, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe guessing mm. sounds feasible. But yeah, the uh, the messaging is is ramping up as we get mm. into respiratory virus season. Yeah, the main problem we have. <laughs> The main problem we have, right, is dis and misinformation. Dismissed, yes. Mm-hmm. But do not fear, because oh the, fuck yeah, <laughs> the United Nations is well on top of this. And of course, firings at Twitter have. I should say this is the uh, United Nations Under Secretary General for Global Communications. What? Left us. Yeah, that is a job title. Fuck's sake. Have you ever seen how many uh, organizations make up the United Nations? No. Oh, it's a hundred, maybe? Several. Right, okay. Yeah. Is that not who pays them? Well, I imagine it's all the country. We, us, basically. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) You, you, and me. With no one to call to flag content that is abusive or even incitement to, to violence. We're now seeing that almost anyone can promote disinformation for the price of a blue tick. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it's like Rick Mayo. We're going back to bottom now. Uh, <laughs> We've still, it's not all bad, we have oh. teamed up with the platforms uh, to elevate reliable information around COVID and climate to amplify trusted messengers, and we have quite an army of them out there who want to take UN content and promote it within their followings, and also educating users um, on how to slow the spread of... Good choice of words there. Slow the spread Mm. of misinformation. You see, the analogy is obvious, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Maybe not on first listen. But if you actually sit down and analyse what her speech is, slow the spread of misinformation, we're comparing it to a virus, a mind virus. Disinformation. Our new slogan that we want to have everybody have in their ear when they're online is pause, take care before you share. Wash your hands. Sorry. She had a birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't like it. Yeah, it's a weird flex, isn't it? Are they, are they viral particles? Probably. Uh, gold one. <laughs> but yet, we do feel like we are in an information war. An information war. You might call that... Info wars. An info war. <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! I got plenty of words for you, but at the end of the day, fuck you and your new world order, and fuck the horse you rode in on, and all your shit! Mm. <laughs> and that we need to massively ramp up our response. Mm. So we're creating at the... Ooh, a new quango. We're creating a... It must be like a committee or something. UN essential capacity to monitor, monitor and also have the ability to rapidly react when mis- and disinformation and hate speech is threatening not just our... What the fuck is she talking about here? Hate speech. No, Mr. what this. she's... Make, what they're enacting. Let's listen again. At the UN 
Let's just back out a couple more seconds. To massively ramp up our response. Okay. So we're creating at the UN a central capacity to monitor, monitor and also have the ability to rapidly react when mis- and disinformation and hate speech is threatening not just our people, our operations, but also the issues and the causes that we're working on. But also, we're going to be gearing up our verified initiative around climate change and developing this UN code of conduct on information integrity on digital platforms, hoping to set global standards that we can all advocate around um, so that we can collectively work for a more humane internet. Some sort of infrastructure, it sounds like. It sounds like a Faustian parking. Where do I sign? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it it would be less of a sham if you actually voted for these folks. Obviously, don't. I don't know. Who gives them the right to set up shit like this? It sounds like they're setting something up in order to monitor um, what is said on across the internet and then mm. take oh. it down by the sounds of it, doesn't it? It's going to need spies. Yeah. Yeah. Secret lives. Mm. Well, in, in uh, East Germany, wasn't it 30% of the population were government informants? 33% of the Amish Inquisition. It probably is 33%. <laughs> I think it was more than that. I don't know. Mm. There was there was sort of formal and informal informants mm. in East Germany. So I don't How much know. do you reckon they pay? The UN. Not enough is well, the answer. Yeah. I've just noticed that Phil has developed a little red square dot on his head. Ah, oh, they, <laughs> they can't see that at home. Can they not? No. Okay, no. All oh, right, okay. Is, uh, that where, just... is that where you've thrown something in frustration at the... <laughs> yeah. At the UN. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 you. Ah, <laughs> fuck you. Come get me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you put uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, video mashup with Whitney Houston back on? Oh, is that an ad hoc request? Gosh, I mean, you yeah. don't ask for much, do you? Oh, dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. That is so weird. You like it? It's so it's fantastic. So yeah, with friends, with somebody, with somebody who loves me. Was that Bobby Brown in the middle? <laughs> Could well have been. Possibly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, while we're on disinformation operatives, mm-hmm. let's start with uh, President Biden. He's done. I don't know if it's similar things, but he's sort of. Also, uh, just for context, so um, you know, it's the, it was the anniversary of September 11th this uh, week past. Yes, and uh, the... last Monday wasn't it? Right. And uh, Biden came out, gave a speech about how you know he was there the next day, and uh, looking at the ground zero is like looking through the gates of hell. Obviously, if you go to his autobiography, he wasn't there. He was in Washington the next day. He just kind of made it up. Um, but he has a track record of this. I wonder if the UN will pull him up on this. Maybe. He's done, mm. I don't know if it's similar things, but he's sort of told some stories that don't line up 
quite like this before. Yeah, this president has a, a pattern at this point of either inventing or embellishing stories about his own past, his biography. He did it three times in one speech last month alone. Uh, he claimed he had witnessed a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh when he actually showed up about six hours later. He claimed that his grandfather had died just days before he was born himself at the same hospital. In fact, his grandpa died more than a year before in a different state, not, not the same hospital. Um, and, uh, and he also repeated a favorite false story that I and others have debunked over and over again about a supposed conversation with an Amtrak train conductor he was friends with, who was actually deceased at the time the conversation would have had to take place. And that's not all. There are some more serious ones, in, in my view. Uh, previously in his presidency, he claimed at one point he'd been arrested during a civil rights protest when, in other versions of the story, he just said an officer had taken him home uh, from a protest. He said he had visited the, the Pittsburgh synagogue where worshippers were killed in a 2018 mass shooting. In fact, he'd actually spoken to the rabbi, uh, but never, but never went. Um, and he, he's made a whole bunch of others, too. Uh, he said at one point, Republicans like to bring this up, he said that he used to drive a tractor trailer, used to drive an 18-wheeler. Never happened. The White House later clarified he used to drive a school bus at one point for, as, a, as a job briefly. School bus, of course, not an 18-wheeler. So whatever his intentions, whether it's you know foggy memory about stuff that's going on decades ago or deliberate embellishment, this is an unfortunate pattern that keeps coming up again and again with Joe Biden. I think I mentioned this clip when we were talking mm. to Mark, didn't I, how the worm was turning on Biden. Because yes. that was CN, CNN, mm-hmm. the CIA news network. Um, they run the show over there. It's totally infiltrated by the CIA. And so they're, they're outing him. That is no good. You know, he keeps... Mm. Maybe he's just senile or he's a liar. Well, Either way, he needs to go. That's what I was saying. It's, it could, all of that could just be explained by his senility. Yeah. Well, at least they're, you know, they're highlighting it. But, I mean, uh, this idea of trusted news sources, man. It is weird. It's like, it? um, does anyone remember the Spanish Inquisition? Uh, no heard, of, heard of Galileo? Galileo, anyone? Mm. Turns out everyone in the world was wrong, except <laughs> him. Oops. There were only about 300 people in the world at the time, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably. But this is the danger, you see. And you think you have the handle on the truth. Mm. Um, it only takes one heretic to flip the world on its head. Mm. And uh, this is why you shouldn't can't, be censoring things. Can't handle on the truth. No. no. Anyway. Um, can you just put that video on again? Which one? <laughs> just joking. Just send him the email. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, Arnold. Oh, the uh, Houston. Right, I'll send you a link. Okay. Download link. Okay. And a banana cleaner in the post. <laughs> I can't forget about that. Yes. Um, uh, this would be really fun to do, this fifth, fifth grade assignment, but I'm going to save it for the barn raising next week. Uh, we won't be live on video on YouTube next week. It's a barn raising. Uh, but there was this fifth grade assignment in the States that got some traction, and it's like a, it's like a thought exercise, uh, like a philosophy thing. Right. Not age appropriate for 10-year-olds, but, oh, no, fifth grade. Yeah, 10-year-olds. Mm-hmm. So we'll skip that. We'll skip that because time's marching on and we should do some funny stuff, really, shouldn't we? Okay. I've got presents for you as well. Oh, I no. thought he was coming tonight and I got your presents out from when I went on holiday oh. in July. Oh. Okay, now he's like, yeah. have you not been here since before July, Ben? I think he came the first week of August. Yeah, I did, yeah. I forgot about the <laughs> presents that week. <laughs> okay. So, because it was a busy week. I can give you yours if you want that. Uh, yeah. I'm not back for another two weeks either. I'm, no. No, I'm not really here now. This is a force ghost. Maybe I, I should know. give Matt both the presents. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck him. 
I, I wanted to Bear. get you something useful, right? There's no point buying some, some sort of useless tap that's just going to get thrown away. Okay. So. Banana cleaner. So I got you this. Wow. Look, it's a, like a, a an avocado stress stress thing. So it's replacing the turd. Sure, Ben. Hold it up to the camera. Oh, nice. Look, it's a stress avocado. Oh, I like it. It is nice. It's very tactile. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah like improves my, improves my grip strength as well. Oh mm. yes, the wanking the dolphins. Yeah, too hard. <laughs> so I show, show Ben what I got him. Yeah, yeah go on. So again, I wanted something that would actually be useful and practical. Come on, American Standard Precision Base. <laughs> <laughs> so I got you a set of five. Oh. Unicorn finger puppets. Oh, well, my God, that's amazing. That would actually Oh, come mate, in handy. that's, uh, yeah, it'd come in handy. I, get, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, cool. I, I Cheers, shall, man. I shall leave it in here. Mm. I might use them, though. Yeah. Before you come back. You might have to, when we do a diorama. Yeah. But with diorama. It's just going to be the two of us again for the barn raising. Yeah, it's going to talk at each other. Yes, that'd be good. Be fine. Be fine. Right. Let's talk about. I've got my fraud to talk about, haven't oh, I? Oh, yeah. We've, no, I've you've, been a, got, you've had that on the back burner. Yeah, we'll have to do that next week. I was a victim of fraud, serious fraud. I was at the bank again this week, two hours. They're saying Snake. it could be three months before everything's rectified. But um, yeah, you'll have to download the podcast next week to find out. How about wow. that for a, How about that for a, t- a trailer? Yeah. A Beautiful. teaser trailer. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the fraud and we've got the um, fifth grade exercise to do. That's plenty of content for, yeah. <laughs> for housewarming. It is housewarming. <laughs> a housewarming. <laughs> a barn raising. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, let's uh, finish with some funny stuff. Have you ever, you know, the um, the the It films, you know, the Stephen King novels. I am familiar. I prefer wow. the 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 nineties uh, TV movie, starring Tim uh, Curry. Tim Curry is the clown, isn't he? Whatever he's called, and then Pennywise. Uh, yeah, and then the guy from uh, Little House on the Prairie with the mole, moly moly, mm. <laughs> with the moly cheek. I've not seen any of the new. It movies. Yeah. Have you ever wondered what the it movies would be like if they were set in Yorkshire? No, <laughs> but I imagine I'm going to find out. You're gonna. It's your lucky day. Mm. Oi, where's it going, Shagger? <laughs> Why don't they come to Wickermans with me? Don't be scared. It's just a bit of fancy dress. Come and smoke some amber leaf with me. <laughs> 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 Good. I like yes, that. I love it. Some unbelief. Some unbelief. Yeah. yeah, I laughed my head off when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, and it made my missus laugh as well, which wow. is incredible. Like, what happened? Uh, did she like? Did you nearly die? I must have caught her at a good time. Yeah, yeah, she laughed at that. Wow. Ah, oh, how hot should eyes be? <laughs> it is. He what said it is. it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Come well, on, it man. is what it is because he was who he is. <laughs> That's why it is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Inspirational. Oh, dear. Is there uh, Hey, what what did you say? 20 past 10? Yeah. 10.22. 
been yeah. streamed for an hour and five minutes. And it's 22, time, 22. Time for a... Oh, gosh, it's 22, 22. Mm. Two. All right, time for an hour finally, then. Oh, right, okay. Yep. Yeah, confectionery news from New Zealand. Okay. Long-time fans of Cadbury Roses chocolates will be saying thank you very much with the return of three original flavours. After getting ditched back in 2018, strawberry cream, orange cream and peppermint cream are making a cumbox. Uh, yeah, a cumbox. Is... <laughs> <laughs> Stop, Tommy. Did you catch that? Yeah. With the return of three original flavours. After getting ditched back in 2018, strawberry cream, orange cream and peppermint cream are making a cumbox. A uh, cumbox? <laughs> <laughs> Come back is the term, I believe. It's all good. It's not, it's not a nightmare. We're actually, we're actually on live TV. This is not. This is not a... Oh yeah! Uh, fantastic. Oh my god! I don't want to That's eat roses anymore. Right up. No, it's kind of put me off roses. As well. Peppermint, a peppermint one. A peppermint cumbox. Peppermint cumbox rose. <laughs> I didn't know there was a peppermint one. Is there a peppermint rose? There is now. In New Zealand? Mate? There must be, yeah. But you know what they're like over there? They have ultimate puss parties over there. The ultimate puss party? You dirty bitches! <laughs> She's gross here. With the cum boxes. Mm. You really don't like her, do you? No. What is it about? Nah. I don't know. She just gives me the heebie-jeebies. She's very stern. Kim, yeah. Isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Chicken! Shits. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess we better uh, we better sign off, haven't we? Can't stop here all night. Uh, yeah. I'll see you later. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired, boss. Mm. Uh, I do yeah. kind of want to dance with somebody, though. Yeah, dance with somebody. You love it, Yeah. Yeah, you big baby. So what, what, what a baby. What a big baby. Just get on with the game. <coughs> baby. <laughs> so we won't be here next week on YouTube, but on audio, on Spotify, Apple Tunes, Apple whatever it's called. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, stream it, you stream it on Thingy, don't you? Uh, I forget, usually. But, yeah, I will stream it on Podbean. We have that facility if you want to listen live. Yeah. I could stream it to The Element, mm-hmm. just for shits and giggles. But you know, one way or another, we will be there. We'll be there. We would you care though? We'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be there. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see you soon, eh? Anna El Etifaki. See you soon. All right. We'll fuck off. And these guys, I mean, they're having fun now, but my goodness, they've also got a dark side. Oh my God! And the dogs were across the road. And as soon as they saw me, they came bounding over. <laughs> and I just made it into the front door in time. I was petrified. That guy's getting laid tonight. Yeah, <laughs> wild animal. That's his wife. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, Jesus. Do you say it's all good, baby? <laughs> Yeah. The end. yeah, he did. Nice. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Nice. Diffusing the situation. <laughs> right then. Good. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, good Great. job. Good job, team. They are so good. They are an incredible team. Sometimes good. Oh, we missed his <laughs> eye movement. Oh, sorry. Let me do it again. They are so good. They are an incredible team.
Yay! <laughs> <sighs> that actually blows. Right. Yeah. What do you say, Matt? What do you say, Ben, before? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, sometimes good. <laughs> sometimes it may be good. Sometimes maybe <laughs> shit. <laughs> Is that it? That'll do. That'll do, yeah. That'll do. Bronze! You've, you've annoyed me now. I feel like that, that Ninja Turtle, yo. Um. It's that Ninja Turtle, yo. I'm half Barney, half Ninja Turtle. I karate you, you karate me. <laughs> uh, right. See you next week. See you later. Thanks for joining us. Bye. See you next one. Have a nice week. First on BBC One, Prince Andrew becomes part of Jimmy Savile's dream team. Really lovely.